Martini Flavel's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavel, and I'm back. Welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast series. I'm joined today by someone very special in the sugar and commodities world, and that's Kevin Combs, Vice President of McKinney Flavel. Hello, Kevin. How are you? Hello, Michael, and thank you for that introduction. I'd just like you to know I'm in special in more ways than just the sugar and commodity world, but you, thank you. you. You are, Kevin. You're you're a very special individual, and I know all of our uh, podcast listeners appreciate not only just your thoughts on sugar, but commodities, and just your general fun. <laughs> How's that? There you I'm go. Just, thank I'm you. Just ex- I'm excited to be back. I mean, uh, as listeners know, I've been uh, out for a few weeks here, and uh, the yeah. team's been covering for me as MC, but I'm just uh, glad to be back on the podcast. So uh, hello, am, everybody. And I am equally thankful that I did not go down with you. So that was yes, good. Yes, 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 absolutely. Hey, Kevin, it's going to be a great Labor Day weekend for folks. I, it's just going to be fun. People are going to do some fun stuff. Uh, I know I, I have a few things planned. Um, I'm sure you do too as well and uh you know all you college football fans uh have been enjoying the start of that so yeah just fun all around it's time to relax a little bit so let's get you out on your weekend i mean a lot of you are driving home right now or driving to the mountains to go camping or whatever you're doing uh but today kevin i thought we would talk a little bit about uh sugar your favorite topic and talk a little bit about what to expect for the upcoming WASD that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, maybe talk uh, touch a little bit about what we're hearing on beet uh, harvest progress and anything else you want to talk about, Kevin, anything, All right. just you anything. and I. Let's, Let's do go. it. Let's All right. Do it. So what, what do you got? What do I got? Well, I think the first thing is just, you know, harvest has started obviously a little bit later than normal, which, uh, is not a great thing, but late planting wise, you know, all things considered, beets uh, appear to be coming around. Weather's been cooperating. Things are looking good here at the tail end of the crop. So that should, uh, you know, help add a little bit to the yield situation. And with any luck, we'll see some good uh, sugar content numbers. A lot of times when you get uh, some of those earlier harvest, you get a little bit smaller beets. We can see a little bit higher sugar content, which you know, I think provides a little bit of upside potential to the the current crop number. And, uh, you know, we got harvest underway in the Red River Valley and Michigan, and we're just, you know, weeks to uh, days remaining before the others start uh, going. So optimistic is uh, word of the day here. You know, and I, yeah, when I look at the crop, I think the USDA's number is uh, pretty good at 5.138 million tons. I would say the actual crop is probably a little bit smaller than that, but we also have all the fiscal adjustment the USDA has to do to come up with their numbers. And that's where I provide a little, get a little even more optimistic for the 22-23 crop because, you know, the US, usually there's about 650,000 tons that gets uh, – put into the that number from new crop you know if we get some timely plantings next year get a little bit more uh 
early harvest progress, you know, knock, knock, let's hope beets can get planted on time next spring. Yeah. But you know, I, I, I think that number could come up and you could see a fiscal number come up, you know, to 5.2 million tons, something like that without, uh, too much difficulty with, uh, where we're at in the beet crop. Excellent. Excellent. And, um, so how about, uh, as we go into the next couple of weeks, I know a lot of, uh, folks are going to be focusing on the corn side of WASD for sure, <laughs> as we are, uh, entering into corn sweetener negotiations, but what about sugar? Anything, uh, drastic you see them doing there? You know, I think the thing we've been waiting for is to see if, uh, the beet marketers are going to come back into the marketplace and kind of expecting as they got close to harvest, they'd have a better idea what their crop is. And, you know, it seemed like they shut down marketing uh, fairly abruptly with the late plantings and that, you know, there were still probably beet sugar out there that hadn't been committed if they get a good crop. And now that we've seen that crop, you kind of think there's probably a, a chance they're going to come back and, and enter again. And it hasn't happened yet. And yeah. so, um, you know, if, if you're in that situation, we've seen situations where they don't get all the beats out of the ground, et cetera, et cetera. So perhaps they're going to uh, wait for a little bit more assurance before that takes place. It's it's going to be interesting to see and, and at what type of levels they will come back to the marketplace with. And, you know, when, when you looked at... Uh, I can't even remember exactly when they stopped marketing sugar, but call it uh, June, July timeframe. Yep. I think the market had pretty much gotten up towards uh, 43 cents, maybe even 44 cents out west FOB mill when they stopped selling. So given where the market is today and whatnot, yeah. uh, I think it might be north of those numbers. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, it's it's uh, Q three is always a very tight uh, time anyway, and this this year has been extremely tight uh, as far as if you had more needs or you were on some type of allocation. So the numbers definitely skyrocketed on spot pricings, and that's the big question. Like, okay, yeah, you have sugar, but at what price? And that's going to be the interesting uh, interesting thing because what you know, one of the sayings in a lot of these commodities, it's it's about supply and not price that that we've heard so often <laughs> this year and pretty much uh, across the board in many ingredients yeah, um, well, just to produce the product. And that's what's really interesting because, you know, you look at the WASD tables and you go, oh, look at this, a 14.3% yep. stocks to use ratio, finishing off 21.22. And for 22.23, we got a 14.3% stocks to use ratio. That's pretty comfortable considering you're targeting 13.5%. That's right. That's but, right. Yeah, but no, not working well, out that way. <laughs> I think a, a relief, a relief in 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 getting supply, but uh, again, as far as the cost structure, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably still expect uh, definitely north of those numbers you just mentioned, uh, and uh, probably pretty pretty substantially higher. Yeah, and I think so, imports are going to be interesting in September because that's a month that uh, yep. USDA resets the supply demand tables for the suspension agreements with Mexico. And so just yep. looking at the numbers today, Mexico's got to come down a fair amount to yep. uh, balance out the marketplace. But then also, you know, we still have no refined TRQ quota now. So TRQ is sitting there at 1.445 million tons and reality that's going to be north of 1.6 million tons 
uh, also because of that quota allowing sugar to come in uh, in October instead of uh, this crop year. So really, I think that's going to be like 1.65 million tons uh, minimal, minimally at this point. And then you also need to take a look at the high tier import and only 50,000 tons uh, the way those tranche systems works and organic sugar and all that, that number is going to need to come way up. And you just look at the last few years, it's probably averaged uh, 250,000 tons with, you know, this year being at 325, just completely off the hook, how much tier two imports we've got coming in. Right. So, you know, I, hey, put in 400,000 tons plus, you know, basically being close to a hundred thousand tons over, well, not a hundred thousand, 75,000 tons over to bring us down to 13 and a half or something like that. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's all going to give, uh, Mexico a, a pretty big haircut, uh, coming up for this was airport instead of 1.75 million tons, you know, it's probably going to be like 1.3 million tons or 1.35 or something like that. So it's, going to tighten things up and we'll be back to 13.5% stocks to use ratio and uh, nothing to get too excited about. Yep, exactly. And, and uh, soon, soon enough, we'll be through that, the start of the new crop and uh, start of the new year and, and looking at discussions for that even next crop year. Uh, as, as a lot of our listeners in the sweetener world know that uh, sweetener colloquium comes up very quickly after the first of the year in February. And that's when you start seeing those discussions even for the next crop. So it'll be interesting when we get there, Kevin. Rinse uh, and repeat. Here we rinse go. Rinse and repeat. And uh, yeah, it's going to be on the West Coast. So uh, at least it'll be a, a short jaunt for you and I. So, all right. Uh, anything else on the uh, the 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 WASDI table there that uh, you'd like to discuss anything on the demand side that uh, we might see. I know that uh, you had mentioned uh, what 3% plus increase year on year um, as we move forward. You know, I know your thoughts are, it might be a little difficult to uh, continue that growth rate on demand of sugar. Yeah. You know, it's, it seems like this year uh, growth, you know, we see it from a lot of our customers. They were pulling long and strong and particularly seeing uh, customers in that beverage and confections recovering from the volume hits they had for COVID. But, uh, you know, it's just hard to imagine everything we had learned the previous uh, five or six years before COVID of, you know, growth being below population growth, people cutting back on high sugars added sugars on labeling was very bad. And, uh, you know, this year things just completely seem to have, uh, switched, but how much of that is restocking the pipeline? How much of that is actual growth in consumption? And, you know, obviously people returning, getting back out of the house and going to concerts, et cetera, all, all play into the return in some of these, uh, categories, but it just seems like, what we know and what people's attitudes are towards added sugars will uh, see that. So USDA has put in that little bit of a decline for this year, but even if you average out that growth from what we saw in 2018, 2019, 2020, you know, it gets us back to uh, uh, population growth, maybe even a little bit stronger type of number. So it's, it's going to be real interesting to see as we transition into 2023, 
how this transpires and and whether or not this demand hangs on. You know, USDA is putting in a 75,000 ton decline. Given what their goals are in managing the sugar program, I think that's a very wise choice and wise decision. I couldn't uh, fault them with uh, putting maybe a little bit of uh, decline there and whatnot. But yeah, I think it's uh, anyone's guess as to what that number is going to actually be, whether we see similar numbers to 2022, maybe we see a little bit of growth or maybe this pipeline filling is even bigger than we're thinking and and maybe it ends up being even a little lower than it is. So that's, yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how these numbers play out over the next six months. Well, something to consider, Kevin, uh, as I have a 12-year-old girl, I'm, I'm thinking the increase in sugar may be due to boba tea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Boba You're tea the is done. There, Mike yeah, is older, I am. There's right? a ton of sugar comment. in boba tea. It's a wonderful treat, and uh, it's it's just popped up. At least in California, it's popped up everywhere. And she always wants a boba tea, and boba tea is not cheap five, six, seven dollars for a drink. So yeah, nice. Know. But Goes maybe right that's on. where it is, Kevin. It's in the boba tea. So there you go. That's I don't know. It All made, right. You, you heard it here first. Yeah, that's Boba it. tea is going crazy Boba in California tea. and driving sugar <laughs> consumption. I don't go. know that that is an accurate statement. Please do not hold me accountable yeah, for any such yeah, statement. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Well, there's probably some truth there. All right, Kevin, <laughs> anything else on the, uh, uh, what people can expect? Or shall we let them get on with their beginning let's, of their Labor Day weekend. Let's go have a great Labor Day weekend. Let's have fun, it. everybody. Kill it. And uh, if you're out here in Northern California or probably even Southern California or the Northwest, stay cool. Yeah. It's going to be a hot one. Hot one. Uh, temperatures are hot. Well, thank you, Kevin. This was a great recap. And uh, our customers out there, I'll uh, appreciate that. If you're not a McKinney Flavel customer, you know what? With sugar, it's a volatile world like a lot of the other commodities. And market timing is absolutely important. Right, Kevin? So, uh, yeah, come talk to Kevin and uh, we, we can help you uh, not only on the sourcing side, but also the information intelligence side and help you time that purchase just right. So, um, yeah, everybody have a great Labor Day weekend. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. And until our next podcast, take care, everybody. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favell's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit McKinney-Favell.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.